Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here. And we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent. And yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids. We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. We are excited today because we get to talk to our friend, Sheila Akbar, who's also our colleague and a fabulous co-conspirator in the world of supporting complex kids and parents. Conspirator. I like that. Um, I mean that in all the best ways. No conspiracy theories here. (laughs) And and so we just love hanging out and spending time with Sheila because it's always a fascinating conversation. And so today I am confident we'll be more of the same. Yay. So start us off. Just tell us how you started doing what you do. Sure. Thank you first for having me and for that lovely introduction. I feel the same way about the two of you. So I'm very excited to be here and and continue our conversations from earlier in the day that we were working together on a couple of different things. So I'll start with what I do, and then I will try to tell you a short version of how (laughs) I started doing it. I will try my best to tell you the short version. Today, I am president and COO of a company called Signet Education, where we offer tutoring, test prep, college admission support, and coaching to students eighth grade and up. And we do work with college-age students as well. And what makes us a little bit different is that we do try to take a coaching approach in all of those services, even if you're not just doing coaching with us. So we work with um, a wide variety of kids, but no matter what we're working on with them, we are always trying to help them build a meaningful vision for their future, see how whatever it is that we're doing with them ties into that, and then just support them as they traverse whatever their path might look like. And so that's why having all of those services in one place is really useful because we like to take that holistic approach. We we really can't help ourselves, but say, hey, I noticed you're doing this thing, but if that's the college you want to go to, I think you should probably think about this a little bit differently. And parents really see us as trusted advisors, navigating that high school journey. And then our students think of us as partners, maybe role models, mentors with an academic flavor. Yeah. And what I love about Sheila, of course, is that she believes that everybody who they support in their community should also be working with us. So it's synergistic relationship. But how did you get to be doing this work? Yeah. So this is where I'm going to really struggle to tell you the short version. So feel free to snap your fingers at me a little bit. <laughs> so um, bottom line it, as we say in coaching. Uh, yeah. So I, I grew up in a an immigrant household. I grew up in a small town in, in rural Michigan. And so it was very different from everyone that I was around in, in all of the ways that you can imagine. Um, and as many immigrant families 
uh, do, there were certain expectations um, around my academic performance, what my uh, career path could be. And really, there was only one choice for me now. I think there are probably maybe three choices that most immigrant families are okay with, doctor, lawyer, and engineer. Doctor, lawyer, engineer. Yeah, yeah. When I was growing up, it was a doctor. That was the yeah. only thing I could I could do. My dad was a doctor. My brother ended up being a doctor. Um, the exact same specialty as my father. And so that was just, it was clear. I don't actually remember it ever being said to me. No. You have to have straight A's and you're going to be a doctor. No, they whisper it yeah. over the crib. Yeah. I think that's what, because I was raised in a different, wasn't immigrant, but that expectation environment. Yeah. And yeah, I think it was whispered. So one brother was a doctor, one was a lawyer. Yeah, is in the air, right? Yeah. And I am also a very rebellious person. So co-conspirator, I think is a really great way <laughs> to describe my relationship. I thought I had do not disturb on, but a text just came through and made a ding. Okay, I'm going to jump back into it. Yeah, the expectation was in the air. And I just went along with it. As most children do, you want to please your parents, you want to make them happy. And I saw how happy they were when I came home with good grades. And as I'm growing older, and this rebellious spirit is growing as well, I start to wonder, do I really want to follow that path? that my parents so clearly have laid out for me. And I don't think I had the bravery to say no, to admit to myself that my answer was no. But as I got to college, I it was screaming at me <laughs> that the yeah. answer was no. And I worked very hard and I feel very lucky I got to go to a very good college that a lot of people are really killing themselves to get into. And I saw the impact of that pressure cooker that all of my fellow students had come out of because we all went through it to get to this particular place. Yeah. Um, and I was really afraid and held myself to certain expectations. All of my peers are going to go off to do these amazing things. They're all going to be millionaires in the next two years. What the heck am I going to do? So I, I dropped pre-med. I didn't know what I wanted to do because I didn't have the language or any sort of framework for investigating what are my strengths and what is it that I want to do? What's important to me? What kind of impact do I want to have in the world? I just didn't have any of that, right? That was yeah. never modeled for me. It was never taught to me. And it's certainly not taught in high schools. And so I went through this sort of tumultuous period where I worked on Wall Street. I worked in publishing. I thought I was going to become an architect. Then I was like, no, it's film school. <laughs> and um, all the while, there was this poetry that I fell in love with as a emo teenager before emo was a thing. And I just kept coming back to it and realized, oh, maybe this poetry is the thing that I should focus my attention on. So I ended up going back to grad school. I got two PhDs and in the underachiever, everybody. Yeah. yeah and then that's how it they, I don't know what they said me. From you. I yeah. think it's compensating for the fact that you're not a doctor. So you had to have exactly. two PhDs. I had right. to. Yeah. And yes. I did tell my brother and my dad that they were the only people I was going to make call me doctor once I right. got to PhD. <laughs> but while I was writing my dissertation, I had started tutoring. And I joined forces with a, a friend of mine from college who had started uh, this tutoring business and just saw opportunities to make it better better run, having worked in, in several different industries, but also was able to infuse a lot of my personal philosophies and perspectives that came out of this feeling of, okay, I've got to fit myself into this box. I can't let other people down. I have to have a certain amount of success. I'm in this high achieving place. And also 
wouldn't it have been great to have had a mentor or something to teach me how to look inward and figure out what I really want to do with my life, with my time in the world, right? To have a, a place to play that out. And Jay, my business partner who founded Signet has a very similar experience. He went to Harvard as a astrophysicist and came out with a degree in comparative religion, right? His parents were engineers. The two of us just we saw this as a real opportunity, not just for families of immigrants, but for any family who is looking to do things a little bit differently as they move through high school and, and help their kids go off to college, to give them those tools to break that sort of burnout cycle um, early before they have to apply the Band-Aid after the fact, after they're already burnt out and made all these career choices that don't really suit them, to give them that information so that they can work towards something um, that's meaningful to them. And I, wanted- I don't know if I succeeded in making this short, but that's the story. No, I appreciate that. And I want to take us back because as you were talking about what you do at Signet, you were talking about helping kids create a vision for their future. And that's where you just landed, which is this sort of, how do we create and lay the path for our kids to create a vision for their future? And a lot of the parents in our audience have complex kids, they have kids with learning and attention issues and that sort of thing. So what do you see as some of the core things that really do create that environment to even get them to the point where they're visioning, because let's face it, these kids are really busy doing all the stuff of life. Yeah. How do we create space for vision? Well, and vision can be really hard for a lot of complex yeah. kids that it can, we joke that there's two time frames. there's now and not now, and yeah. vision lives in the not now for a lot right. of these kids. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a couple of answers to that. So certainly in the case of a kid who is just totally overscheduled or underwater, freaking out, everything's on fire, we've got to put out some of those fires. And so in those cases, we may not take the coaching posture. We may say, let's look at your list of homework. What needs to be done? When are we doing it? And it's a little more directive. But when we sense that there is that space and the expectation is we're going to get through the triage phase and there will be that space, and that's the time that the real work really begins, Um, when we get to that space where we can be a little more reflective, we start reflecting in very small ways. This will be familiar to you. Something happens in school. Maybe there was a test. We say, how did it go? What went well? What didn't Mm -hmm. go well? (laughs) let's pick something that you want to change the next time there's a test coming up. We call that the three magic questions, everybody. I'll put a link in the notes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Just baby steps. And what we also help them see is that very small reflection that maybe on a time scale of just a couple of days is a vision, Hmm. right? It may be a vision that helps them avoid pain, right? The pain of not, not doing well on a test or having to pull an all-nighter or that anxiety that they feel they're not ready for something, that's a vision. And we just help them stretch that out a little further over time. And it does take practice. The other thing that you mentioned was how is this different for complex kids or where do you start with that? We like to talk about strengths um, and leaning into those strengths and values as a way to navigate obstacles and carve a path for yourself. I have a student who has is on the autism spectrum. He's extremely intelligent as most kids are. And he started out by talking to me about all these people say my challenges can be a superpower. And I just, I don't believe them. And I just don't think that's 
I think they're just sugarcoating things. They don't, they don't want me to be all depressed about it. And they're overselling it by telling me it can be a superpower. And I was like, that's fair. Those are your feelings. Totally fair. Let's see what we can do. I'm not going to promise you that you're going to come out of this work knowing what your superpower is or feeling, I don't know, you're happy to be on the spectrum or something like that. I'm not going to overpromise. But what we started doing was thinking about where does he really enjoy doing something? Mm -hmm. Where does he get that sort of sparkle that he can't wait to learn more about this thing or do this thing again or be with that person again? And what are the things that we can analyze about those times that end up being common across these different times that they mention? Maybe that thing that you really enjoy doing is some kind of strength. Right. And you can see how that unfolds. We just continue doing that over time. And when you can hold space for a student and get them to focus on the positive more than the negative, and there may be some negative things going on, you want to give them space to process that, but you can call out those little positive things and, and, you know, pull together a pattern for them. Mm -hmm. Um, They do feel really empowered by that. And that can change a lot of things. So this particular student is really interested in computer science and AI and machine learning. And as he has gotten to learn more about his own autism, he started to understand how he can help other kids on the spectrum understand Mm -hmm. theirs. And he is so excited about building all of these AI tools to help kids on the spectrum understand themselves. And now he's the one who talks about everybody on the spectrum has a superpower. And I'm like, hey man, those are your words, not mine. You remember when you started, you thought this was all BS, but it's really about consistency, baby steps and giving kids the space to imagine. The other thing I hear there is you meeting them where they are and acknowledging what their experience or perspective or feeling is and not discounting it as no, Mm -hmm. but to to be able to lean into the, okay, you're skeptical. Let's be skeptical about it. Yeah. And let that perspective be okay. Mm -hmm. That's a huge shift from where a lot of people will meet. Sorry, Diane, you were going to. But to build on Sheila, what you were saying about looking for that thing that lights them up. I know that a lot of times parents are like, the only thing they like is playing on their computer or doing video games or whatever it is. And that can be your opportunity. I remember really distinctly with one of my kiddos sitting down and going, what is it that you love about this game? What is the coolest thing that you did in this game? What was it about it? And then I could say, was this about strategy? Is this about connection? Is it about what's the skill that's underneath it that just fires this kiddo up? Yeah. And instead of being like, okay, that's all they like, we're discounting their love instead of going, okay, they love it for a reason. And let's say that it's a good reason and not, and not throw it out and say, it's just computers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I get the same sort of thing, definitely around video games, but also around sports. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a dad recently who's my kid says he wants to go to Harvard MIT, but all he wants to do is study basketball trivia and all of this stuff. And I'm like, that's interesting because if he's really interested, he apparently wants to be a general manager of a professional basketball team. And I'm like, okay, that's great. He's he's need stats. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, he's got a goal. Good that is a very clear goal. But let's think about how that connects to his schoolwork that he currently is not taking that seriously. But I set up a call with him to talk about sports analytics Mm -hmm. and all of the different pieces that go into being a good general manager, the business 
side of it, the analytic side of it, the performance side of it, the coaching side of it. And he's so fired up. He's so fired up. And it goes back to because you played to the strength and acknowledged it. So oftentimes, especially with complex kids, you'll get a kid who wants to be the manager of a sports team or wants to be an actor, whatever. And the parents look at it. We were talking earlier today about the parents' fear, yeah. right? If the parents' fear comes in, I'm afraid they won't be able to, mm-hmm. then that creates a conversation that's don't reach so high. Mm-hmm. And what I hear you saying is, okay, you, I don't know whether you're going to be the manager of a major sports team or not, but here are the skills it's going to take to get there. Let's allowing them to move in a direction instead of worrying about whether they're going to achieve the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. We say that all the time. I know you guys too, as well. We focus on process, not results. It's great to have a goal in mind, but it's much more important to do the sort of daily discipline that might lead you to that goal. That's the thing that we really want to help students strengthen right? Help them build their toolbox um, and skills. Yeah. So let's take a quick break and talk about helping kids develop skills when we get back. Hi, it's Elaine. And if you like this podcast, you'll love our coach approach. Whether you're a parent looking for support or professional supporting families, we invite you to download a free guide with 12 key coaching tools at impactparents.com slash gift. You can begin using a coach approach to help kids become more independent or improve all of your conversations at work and at home. That's impactparents.com slash gift. Welcome back, everybody. Our guest is Sheila Akbar, and we are having a really cool conversation about philosophically how we prepare kids and complex kids to, to step into their future by creating a vision. Uh, Diane, you had a thought about where yeah, you No, I did it and, and I've changed my mind. So I've changed my mind completely <laughs> since the break. Where I want to go, we were just talking about how to create, how to help kids develop their strengths and identify their strengths. And then there's this moment that I want to talk about that we as parents, it's okay, they said that they want to do this. And then we pounce. Dive in. <laughs> okay, so here's the plan. You want to be, we're talking about pro basketball, right? It's this sort of, okay, you want to be the manager of a basketball team. You got to do this and you got to do that. And you got to be good at this. That's this sort of, we take that as an excuse to pounce. And I don't think that's really what you're talking about. It's the sort of, what do we do to support our, support our kids once they have this vision and not just like bombard without, them with it. Yeah. Right. Without taking it over. Yeah. We are then, oh, we get a project. I'm going to get my kid to do whatever. We love projects. My kid said he wants to go to Harvard, but he's not doing his homework. So he's got to do his homework because he wants to go to Harvard. And it's not my agenda. It's his agenda. Right. Yes. Yes. In in that particular example, I tell my families, if your kid is going to Harvard, you're not going to have to tell them to do their homework. That's just not the kind of kid that goes to Harvard. Because what's going to happen when they get there? Right. If this is not an intrinsic motivation of theirs, something that they care about, it's fine. Maybe he gets in, but then what? And Um, by the time they get to Harvard, they may have the intrinsic motivation developed and they may not have it in fifth grade. So let's shift this from your kids going to Harvard to something that's a little more universal, shall we? (laughs) Yeah. So kid says, I have a vision. So we can talk in a minute about the kids who don't have the vision, but Mm -hmm. let's say we've got a kid who says, I want to X. I want to go into nursing. I want to go into management. I want to go into international relations, whatever. And parent grasps on, as Diane says, and pounces and says, okay, here's what has to, now we're the parent's project. Yeah. 
What do you have to say to that? (laughs) Yeah, it's a difficult line to walk. And that's where I feel like the work that you do is so valuable when paired with the work that I do. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm always like, mom, you got to step back a minute. You got to let the kid breathe and figure this out. But what we try to do with our students is if they do have a vision like that is to empower them to think about what might that path look, right? Mm -hmm. Because these are teenagers, their minds are going to change. I'm still changing my thoughts about what I want to be when I grow up. Diane, that's the language you use all the time. Let's not pretend that they're committing themselves to this path for the rest of their lives at the ripe old age of 14. They don't really know anything about that path yet. And we have to let them walk it. So we have to be comfortable with a process of experimentation and iteration. We have to reframe failure. Failure is feedback. It is a learning opportunity. It is the way forward because I'll tell you my story. I felt like a failure every time I decided to switch my career path. And if I had somebody supporting me who said, I think it means you liked this part of the job and not this part of the job. So maybe lean into the thing you did and try that thing next. And no expectation that I had to have it figured out, but rather this is a process. It's going to take you some time. You've got to do some legwork to see if this really is a fit for you. So we need to establish that little bubble of safety where they can play in the sandbox and figure things out and maybe change their minds. But we also want them to own the doing on that path, right? If they're really passionate about becoming a general manager, let's read some biographies of general managers. Let's get a sense of what that path looks like. Maybe you can talk to your high school coach, or if you know someone at the local community college who is a sports coach, maybe they're a little more accessible. You could talk to them about what that path looks like and then reflect on that. Does that sound good to you? Notice that check-in question. Does that, so so that's asking, not telling. That's maybe you could, does that sound good to you? Love that. So one of the things you said was about not having an expectation that they have to have it figured out. Mm -hmm. And what we know, I remember when I was visiting colleges with my son about four or five years ago, is the admissions person said 70% of these kids, 70% of the jobs they're going to have in their lives don't exist right now. And most of them will have, I think it was an average of seven or nine careers in their lives or something, right? So the days of the 50-year golden watch are pretty much over. So we've been talking a little bit about kids who do have vision. What about the kids who really have no clue? How do you dance with that? scenario. Yeah. I think so often when we talk about vision, we say things and I'm guilty of this too, with my own child. What do you want to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. Meaning what job do you want to do for money? That's, that is what we mean. That's what we mean. That's not what we're asking. What you want to be when you grow up. Yeah. Not yeah. What's your title? What do you want to do when you salary? Yeah. And so I think really, really just embracing the fullness of that word be can be really valuable for kids. Go ahead, Diane. Yeah, I was just going to say, my son recently, an aunt said to him, What kind of people do you want to work with? Yeah. And it was transformational because he realized, because he's senior in college, he was like, I want to work with creative people. I want to be around creativity. And it wasn't, what do I want to do? It really was. Yeah. Yeah. And in addition to what kind of people do you want to be surrounded by? We want to get into what kind of person do you want to be? 
right? Yeah. And where might you want to live, right? It might be as specific as a city, but it might also be like an apartment and not a house or whatever it, it looks like. And I really want them to indulge in painting the picture of a future that they feel really good about. And mm. yeah, maybe a career is part of that, but maybe that part of the picture is fuzzy right now. And that's fine. We can get really clear on this other stuff. And thinking about the kind of person you want to be is only going to help them with whatever kind of career they want to do. Yeah, I just know I'm flashing back to how many hundreds of conversations I've had with parents of college age kids, particularly college age kids who end up starting college and then stopping. And it's they got to figure out what they're going to do. It's just there's this pressure of the job thing. As Which opposed is the parent to the fear thing, right? Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is because we don't want them to live under our roof. We don't want them to be forever financially yeah. responsible for them when they're 30 or 40 years old, but it becomes this pressurized sort of thing as opposed to what do you imagine your days are like? What do you right. want to have time for? What do you want to, who do you want to be around? I love that sort of. I think one of the challenges, particularly right now, is along the lines of what this person said to you when you were touring colleges, Diane, is that we don't know what the future of work is going to look like. No. Right? There is this whole technological revolution that is happening right now. We don't know what that's going to be in the next month, in the next year, let alone the next five or 10 years. So everything we took for granted as this is a stable career path <laughs> is up for debate. Unpredictable. Yeah. People are talking about skills-focused mm -hmm. career preparation as opposed to career preparation, so that you can be flexible. The other thing that I point out to families is that there's a lot of research that shows where you go to college doesn't really impact your earning potential. For some groups, it does, but for the majority of the population, it doesn't really matter where you go to college. What matters is what you do there, what relationships you build there. And part of the fear aspect that leads to that micromanaging, I'm going to do this project of my kids for you, is a desire to make sure our kids are financially stable and have jobs that command some amount of respect in this society where Marxist Sheila is going to show up here, but late stage capitalism is pretty rough. Yeah. Right? And, and I don't rough. know about you, but my kids are saying the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not sure I want to play in this game. Yeah. Yeah. And as parents, we feel that and we want to prepare our kids to navigate that very scary, harsh world. But I'm going to repeat something that you guys say all the time. When we step in and do for them, we rob them of the opportunity to learn how to navigate that stuff for themselves. And we're not always going to be around. They have to learn how to navigate it. And they're going to be navigating challenges that we can't even imagine what they right. are. And so what we want is to give them the skills to navigate the challenges. We don't need to fix it for them. Yeah. yeah. I just, I got to tell you guys, we're, we got to stop. It's so sad. <laughs> okay. So Sheila, let's start to wrap it up by letting people know you talked a little bit about Signet at the beginning. How can people reach out and connect with you? Yeah. So we have a website at signeteducation.com. You'll find a lot of information about what we do and the credentials of my team and some of our philosophy in there. But probably the best place to learn more about this is to follow me on LinkedIn. That's just search my name, Sheila Akbar. You'll find me on LinkedIn. I'm, I think I'm the only one. Um, and I post almost every day on some aspect of the kind of things that we're talking about here. I share a lot of really helpful tools. I do free office hours and things like that. So that's the best way to, to get to know me and more about what I really care about here. Love that. Love that. Love that. 
So let's wrap up the conversation. I guess the first question to you, is there anything we haven't mentioned today that you want to bring into the conversation? Or is there something we've talked about that you want to put a button on? Yeah, we talked about all of these services that we do and how we take this more holistic approach. But I think it's also worthwhile to say something about our specific coaching service, which is all of this and more, where we really do take a pure coaching approach with students. And we create a really judgment-free zone where a student can try things out practice skills that they're learning and tie their everyday sort of school existence to the other things that matter in their life and to this vision of their future. So there are a lot of places that kind of take more of a teaching approach, even when they call it ADHD coaching, but we really do take this coaching approach. And when we started that, it just transformed everything that we did and was really the linchpin to making everything make sense in the way that we do it. So that's definitely one thought that I want to leave your audience with is if you want your kids to grow through this process, as opposed to just survive it, try to work with somebody who is taking a more pure coaching approach. Beautiful. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I say to parents a lot when they, we get a lot of calls of my kid needs a coach. And the question is often all, always starts with, is your kid asking for a coach yeah. before we make the referral? Um, and if the answer is no, but I need it, no, but they need it. Then we know that the work is really supporting the parent. If the kid is asking for it, then it's really about the opportunity to give them an environment where they're learning because real coaching is about deepening their own self-awareness and forwarding the action of their life. What we really want for these kids is both. And it's not just getting it done. Yeah. It's, as you say, no forcing it. It's really doing it in a way that's empowering to them. And you as parents can do that as much as official, officially official coaches can do. Coaches. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So as we wrap up the conversation, Sheila, do you have a favorite quote or motto that's coming to you that you want to share with our audience? I've become known for this motto of don't force it, which you just mentioned. It's the name of my podcast. It's the name of my LinkedIn newsletter. It's the probably the thing I say most often to parents where they come to me saying, okay, we need an SAT tutor. We're behind schedule or my kid's got to go to X school. And I'll weave that in there. We can't force any of this, right? This is their life. They got to take the reins. And the more you force it, the more they're going to push back. And we focus really on that 14 to 18 year old phase where they're going through adolescence. They are more excited by new ideas and new people than anything mom and dad have to say. So we do have to tread delicately. And I talk to so many parents who tell me all the things that me I'm saying to the kid is stuff that they've said to their kid for years. I'm like, yeah, but they didn't hear it. They just need to hear from somebody else. Yeah, it's so true. Or you have to wait 10 years to find out that they were listening more than you realized. They were, exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Turns out some of it a little frustrating. Yeah, yeah, it's true. All right. All right. So those of you who are listening, let's take wait, a minute. Before we do, I mean, let's thank say, Sheila. Sheila, thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you for being yeah. with us. Thanks for playing with us always. It's always thank a you. pleasure. It's so nice to be with you guys. You too. Always. Okay, now Diane. Now, okay. So you're listening. Let's reflect a little bit on the conversation we've had with Sheila today. Identify something that you want to take away from our conversation, something you want to remember. 
Some insight, some aha. What do you what did you glean from this conversation? And as we always close with, thank you for what you're doing for yourself and your kids. At the end of the day, you make the difference. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.